Ahoy, it's your boy. Welcome back to another episode of whatever this is. Um, today is Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. An important day in history. Never forget. Um, although I always think about 9-11. Um, you know, every time I look at a clock and it's 9-11, I always say, 9-11, never forget. Um, maybe not the most polite thing to say, but uh, something I do nonetheless. Um, dude, <clears throat> as I was sort of just getting the mic out for this, I was thinking, I have nothing to talk about. I'm so schooled up. All I do is think about school. Um, I didn't have therapy for a couple of weeks. I literally forgot to go to a session, and then my therapist was sick and canceled, so... I went back for the first time in a while, and I just didn't know what the fuck to talk about. I've been so busy with school, I haven't had time to really think about my feelings. And in some ways, that's that's good. I think being busy sort of solves a lot of problems, or ticks a lot of boxes. I mean, you know, they say the devil makes work for idle hands. I, I think there's something to be said for that, for being staying stimulated and... And uh, and just keep moving forward. I have no idea when I recorded last. I feel, it, dude, if it was Monday... It, dude, it could have been like two days ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think, um, I don't know. I was just about to go into this whole thing. I think about how important it is to be stimulated. But then I was like, I think I may have just fucking talked about that. Because in my psychology class, we were learning about this Cal professor who did this study on rats where, you know, it, I mean, she basically like, you know, had these rats in three groups, some who were socialized, some who were socialized and had stimulation like toys and stuff, and then some who were isolated, and then uh, euthanized them and measured their, um, uh, I don't know, some part of their fucking brain. But basically, of course, the, the rats who were socialized and uh, were being stimulated had larger brains. Um, the brain actually grows when it's learning and being stimulated. And um, so even though I'm not, you know, I don't have a passion for math and I don't have a passion for chemistry. And even my psych class is not terribly interesting to me. Um, I'm enjoying seeing myself learning and I'm enjoyed, I, I have enjoyed having something to do. Um, so that's been nice. Um, but I'm also incredibly fucking tired. Like I worked till midnight last night and then I had to, and I was doing a shit ton of math while I was there, but I also, you know, to be prepared for math class today, I, I had to do about another an hour and a half of math homework when I got home. So I didn't go to bed at like 3.30 and had to be in class at 9. So, um, you know, the hardest part of my day sometimes is just getting out of bed when that alarm goes off. And if I'm being like generous to myself, I'll set it for 7.30 because I got to be out the door at 8.30. But I tell you, man, I wrestle with myself. I've, it, it, it's not as bad. I mean, like I think back to when I was like, 19 and like languishing in a junior college and by the way i say languishing now but i i swear to fucking christ every time i talk about my past college history i always say languished at a junior college because sometimes people say oh where'd you go to school and i'll say oh i just i languished at a junior college in arizona for four years and never got a degree um that's just how my brain is sort of like you know cemented that information and so it's how i i always repeat it but i swear to fucking christ i'm so stupid for years i said langered <laughs> I langered at a at a junior college, and it wasn't until years later where I was like, "I is langer a word?" And I'm like, I think you mean languish. And I was like, "Oh yeah." I also used to say, um, and I always fuck this up, but I used to say diction when I really meant like articulation. Like I used to say, "Oh, I have terrible diction," but what I really think I meant was I don't articulate my words. 
I think diction is something else. I think, yeah. Fuck it, dude. Let's look it up. Why the fuck not? All right. So I used to say articulation, but diction is, no, not dictionary.com. Thanks, Google, for trying to figure it out, but you're wrong. Addiction is the choice and use of words or phrases in speech or writing. So, yeah. Um, yes. Or maybe I'm in enunciate. Although it also, the definition too is the style of enunciation in speaking or singing. So, yeah. So, I'm even stupid because I was saying articulate, but I meant enunciate. Um, I even listen back to some of this stuff and, and sometimes I, I, I hear how people hear me, which is, I guess, mem, 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 mem. When I did theater, the, every note I had was enunciate. I can't understand the words you're saying. Um, I've always been that way, especially with singing. When I first started singing, I, I was literally indecipherable. I would play demo recordings for my brother, and he'd be like, I have literally no idea what you're saying. And it was just, I couldn't believe it. I had a music teacher who pointed it out to me. I was going to his studio, just like showing him songs and stuff. And and even at the time, sorry, he sort was sort of alluding, you know, tastefully to this idea that there was some sort of psychological basis or there was some underlying emotional reason for why I wasn't singing with clarity. Like maybe I was scared for people to hear the words I was saying. And I thought it was fucking crazy. And as I, as I get, got older and get older, I think there's, there might've been something to that. You know, when you're growing up, you think people can't see who you really are. But of course, adults have been through all sorts of stages in their life. And, you know, they have a strong sense of what you're going through sometimes, even if you feel lost or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I used to not enunciate and, um, I was really hard to understand, but I find that I still am. Even when I'm on the lines talking on the phone, people, uh, people, uh, I'll have to repeat myself sometimes, not all the time and not even frequently, honestly, but, um, but, um, it does happen. And my girlfriend's texting me. Uh, yeah, she wants to know if I'm having dinner with her tonight. Um, yeah, I probably won't. Um, la, 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 la. Um. <sighs> you know, without having an audience and really any feedback, I feel kind of directionless because um, I'm sitting here being pretty chill. And on the one hand, I feel like I want to just spit off stuff and just talk as soon as things pop into my head because I want to just keep talking without stopping. Um, and a couple recordings ago, I, I did have a... I don't think I was able to like carry it through the whole thing, but I was just sort of throwing shit around. And um, I felt myself getting really excited. And I was like, oh, that was fun. And I thought... But when I listened back to it, it was kind of like cringy. Like I, I, I like didn't like the way I was coming across. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really know how to like, I don't really know how to experience or, or like judge like whether the recordings I'm doing are good or not, because I don't know. I feel like I should be objective. I, I like, I can hear interviews to myself sometimes. Like I'll do an interview, um, and then I'll think, man, that was so-so. But then I'll go back and listen to it and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I came across as like really intelligent and articulate. And um, and I actually kind of enjoyed listening to it. Um, I felt, you know, I, and I'll think like, oh, if I didn't know who I was, I feel like I would have been stimulated by hearing that conversation. So there's a part of me that feels like I should be able to judge whether what I'm doing or not is any good. Um, but I don't know. Oh. <sighs> 
Um, I, I mean, because there's a part of me that feels like if I'm having fun doing it, I feel like that's got to communicate somehow. But it's weird to listen back to that and and feeling kind of cringy. You know, I don't. Uh, so as I'm, as I'm talking, I'm actually trying to stay chill. Um, but we'll see. Maybe I'll listen back and go, oh, it sounds like you sucked on an ether egg before you fucking hit the record button. So, uh, get a little more excited. Hmm. But yeah, I don't really know what to say. I definitely feel sleep. Actually, I, uh, I was about to say, I feel, I definitely feel sleep deprived, which I am. Um, but yesterday I ran, wow, wow. So yawny, not yawny live at the Acropolis, just, <laughs> just yawning. Um, there's actually a girl in my psych class named Yanni, which I, I, I wanted to be like, oh, like Yanni live at the Acropolis. But this girl was like 17. She would have no fucking idea what I was talking about. And I didn't want to date myself. Um, but uh, went for a super long run yesterday. Well, I mean, not like, you know, cosmically a long run, but uh, for me, a long run recently, I ran for 5.2 miles and uh, felt great. I felt a little overheated afterwards. Um, I think cause I hadn't had any, I was really, I, I mean, I was really dehydrated actually. Um, and I just felt kind of sick for like two hours afterwards, but oh, I hear that. I went to therapy and then when I was walking to work, I felt great. You know, I had that little bit of soreness in my legs, but that like good sore after a good workout, you know, maybe not like right after, but a couple hours after a good workout, like you're carrying it with you throughout the day. you know what I mean? And uh, I just had that good burning in my legs and, um, I felt stimulated, you know? Um, and I think that's a lot of why I felt good recently. I've been really active physically, which I forget, I'm confident I talked about this another time, but you know, like self care is such a fucking popular word that gets sort of bandied around now. And usually when people talk about it, it's like, do something for yourself, like get your fucking nails done or get your hair done or, um, you know, watch a show you like, which is all fine. That that is self care. But for me, I think the number one thing I need, other than like sleep, I think, um, for me, actual physical activity is I'm starting to think it might be the most important thing for my sen- general sense of well-being. And it's so crazy to think that because I've spent the like the vast majority of my life not active, like phenomenally sedentary. Um and it's and when when I was running a lot years ago, it's not like I was especially happy then, but for some reason now in my life even more than ever, I I'm, I'm really can feel the correlation between um the amount of physical activity I'm doing and how my general sense of well-being. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I think what I'm trying to say is I have a couple things going for me right now, which is I'm just really busy with school and I'm doing well so far, which has been good. Uh, I don't know the word for it. Is it self-actualizing? I don't fucking know, but it's just been good for me. It's been a uh, good for my confidence, I think. Um, but also, uh, exercising regularly, which has been really good. Um, it is weird getting older though. Um, you know, you can't drop weight as fast as you used to. That's for fucking sure. And also you just, you know, your body changes obviously, but, um, it's easy to say that it's another thing to see it happening to you and, uh, not being able to really do anything about it. 
Um, and I, I don't know. I guess there is stuff you could do about it, but I've, I've, I've never. I'm, like I'm somebody who I feel like I'm very insecure about my physical appearance, um, and yet the things about me that I think most people would assume I'd be self-conscious about, I'm not self-conscious about at all. Um, I'm a bald dude, and I I think balding for for dudes is probably I mean I I would say even maybe more than body weight. I think balding is probably the number one fear of guys in terms of aging. I think most dudes like balding is like a nightmare. I've never really had feelings about it. Um, you know, I know guys who have like just clung to dear life to their fucking hair, like using Rogaine or whatever the fuck they can use. And, and it's crazy because as you get older, well, a couple things. One, I didn't realize how many people fucking dye their hair. Um, when you're growing up, you just don't, I don't know, you're just not dialed into that, I guess, but I didn't realize that you start graying in your late 20s. Like, most dudes will start getting gray hairs in their late 20s, and they'll get their sort of gray hairs in their beard, and um, so just seeing it happen to myself and not doing anything about it, and also kind of realizing, like, I'm not, you know, some people bald early. Some people are bald by their early 20s. You know, that's not my experience. I think I'm aging at a just sort of normal rate. Um, like I, I have the hairline of a 34 year old who's balding. Um, I, I'm probably right dead in the middle, if that makes sense. Um, but, uh, where am I going with all this? Um, yeah, so many people like dye their hair. Uh, my buddy Jeff, who's a phenomenal songwriter, he was dying his hair forever. And I never really, I, I never knew, and it doesn't really fucking bother me that he does, but it was funny because one day he just stopped dyeing it and he, I realized, holy shit, this dude has like a fucking head full of gray hair. And it wasn't just a little bit. It was like most, like, it was fucking pretty much all gray, but it looked so much better. And I even, I saw him recently. We, he was in town. Uh, he, he, I mean, he'd been out here forever. He like moved to, he's a musician, Jeff Campbell. Um, yeah, I don't know, even know if I should fucking say his name, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, he's fucking incredible and, uh, he's a fucking, he's really, like, he's a really handsome guy and, um, and he looks even better with gray hair, which is fucking crazy. And he has a full head of hair too, I think, which helps, but, um, and he's, uh, quite a bit older than me. I think he might almost be 40, but, um, uh, he was in town and we were having dinner. We were having ramen at Ipudo, which is, uh it's really delicious but uh i was telling him i was like dude like you i like the when you stopped dyeing your hair you looked fucking great and i, I could tell that it, it, he liked hearing that but it was just so funny it was and counterintuitive too like i think when i see people like clinging to their youth like it actually kind of bumps me like there's this girl in my psychology class who's far and away the oldest person in the class she has to be dude she has to be in her 60s late 60s and I mean, either that or she's just smoked a carton of cigarettes every day. Like she could be 40 and just have smoked a carton of cigarettes every day of her life. Um, and look, look much older. But if I had to bet, I'd say she's in her late sixties. She has a head of jet black fucking hair. And it's not that it looks awful, but it fucking bumps you. I mean, the first thing you see when you see her is, wow, this girl has a full head of dyed jet black hair. Um, and not even like a good dye job, like out of the fucking box. You know what I'm saying? God, I feel so superficial right now. But, um, um, but yeah, it, it's like, 
you've actually highlighted the fact that your hair is gray because in in lieu of not being able to see what your actual hair looks like, I can just imagine the worst case scenario. Um, I, I, or I can assume the worst. And it's just strange. It's like I you you've tried to you've tried to correct a problem and you've actually like highlighted it. Um, you've actually pulled focus toward your hair instead of drawing it away. And I know I fucking talked about this and I, I never can explain it. It's just in fucking incredible. But there was one time I was with my girlfriend and we were in Monterey and, um, and this fucking old dude was working at the, at like this college bar hangout place, this like, you know, brewery slash bar and grill sort of place the dude was probably in his late sixties and he's working with a bunch of fucking 20 year olds and the fucking hair on this dude was fucking crazy. He had no hair. He was bald. He had the worst fucking toupee I've ever fucking seen in my life. Like a yarmulke's worth of toupee just on the fucking back of his skull. That was like, looked like it was spray painted black and he had literally, dude, it was like he had drawn in a hairline with Sharpie. It was the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. I mean, whatever you're picturing in your head, it's, it, dude, it's that bad. Like, literally, he had a fucking yarmulke's worth of a toupee, which looked awful. It, dude, it looked like someone had run over it with their fucking car ten times and put it on top of his head. And literally, he had, dr- like, drawn in hair. It was fucking crazy. And... Like, when you talk to the guy, you just expect him to be fucking nuts. He had a p- totally normal affect, but just looked insane. And you just think, I mean, talk about making it worse. Like, I, I just shaved my head. And I, uh, I, that's like, I'm an advocate for that. And I know other people, um, like Joe Rogan is a dude who's bald, who says he wishes he would have shaved his head sooner. I feel the same way. Dude, I look at pictures of me like from my late twenties and I just think, damn, dude, I just should have shaved my head. And it's not like I was even clinging to my hair. It just like, was like kind of sad hair. And I was like, dude, just fucking shave it. No, it didn't make a fucking damn bit of difference. Um, although it is funny. My girlfriend says that she prefers me with a little bit of hair, which I think is fucking nuts. I, I completely disagree with her. Like when I shave my head, I just look in the mirror and I feel like, damn, instantly I feel like I look a lot better. Um, yeah, so it's weird to have that counterbalance where your partner like prefers you with a little bit of hair and you think, I look worse. Um, but maybe that also speaks to my point. Like, we can't see ourselves. You know, maybe this girl who dyes her hair jet black looks in the mirror, or Jeff, my buddy Jeff Campbell, you know, he looks in the mirror and he thinks, oh, I look so much better when I dye my hair. But dude, he doesn't. And that's just the fucking truth. And so, you know, I, I shave, even like my facial hair, like I, when I shave my head and my facial hair, I instantly feel like I look 10 times better. Um, like I'll look in the mirror and I'll start feeling kind of bummed. Like I feel like, oh, I'm just not really feeling myself. But then when I groom, dude, I feel great. And maybe part, part of that is psychological and not really objective. But anyway, um, what am I really trying to say here? Uh, oh, I think, oh, I think I was trying to get to this idea that even though I know that this would bother other people and it does, like, I, of course I see dudes like dyeing their hair and like clinging to their fucking, especially, especially females. And to be fair, they have it so much harder. Women are way more judged on their looks and you know, their sex or what's the, what's the word? I'm looking for? Not their sexuality per se, but, um, their, you know, their, how much their desired is currency in life for a lot of, uh, for a lot of women. And, um, so you see more desperate sort of like clinging to youth with females, I find. Um, 
So it's never bothered me that I'm losing my hair. But what has been weird is noticing other people notice that I'm losing my hair. Like noticing it's weird, knowing it's weird for other people. That That's what I've had feelings about. I've never had feelings about it for myself. But the fact that somebody else, like people just look at your head, <laughs> you know, it's like when you have a pimple. You have a pimple and you see people looking at your pimple and what the fuck can you do? Like you just have a pimple and of course they're looking. You can't fucking blame them. But when you see the same thing of people looking at your hair line, you know, like even just the other day, like in my psych class, I was, you know, we were broke off into groups and there was this young kid who's like 16 and he was like talking to my hairline, you know, and he was just like taking inventory. I'm just a dude with a shaved head and I'm sure he was just looking at it, not realizing he was staring and just thinking... Yeah, this guy's losing his hair. I wonder what, what it would be like if I lose my hair. You know, he wasn't like disdainful, but it was just weird seeing that register for somebody else, like seeing them process something in your physical appearance that they're like fixated on for a moment. And it's not entirely good or bad. It's just knowing that, oh, this is registering for him. Um, like I feel this way about my girlfriend has a scar on her chest. She has a keloid from, I guess it, she had like a, she says it was a pimple. I, it had to have been like a cyst. Um, but she has like a keloid scar on her chest and it's about, um, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. It's probably as <clears throat> long as, uh, dude, I don't fucking know. Like a battery, like a double A battery. It's probably about as long and it, dude, yeah, it's like even width and just imagine like something like the size of a double A battery on your chest. And, um, it's just the kind of thing that I notice sometimes. I, I mean, I always forget about it. Um, and I, you know, she wears like lower, if she wears something where it's sort of exposed, it's just part of her, the constellation of who she is. I, I don't really think about it, but I'm sure I look at it and we've had conversations about it. Cause I know she's a little insecure about it. Um, she's at times she's used like, I don't know if it, it's some sort of vitamin, like vitamin, I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's like vitamin D or some shit. But on scars, you can like put a certain vitamin on it and it sort of can help diminish the, the scar or like the how raised it is. Um, so I know she has feelings about it, but I, I personally like it about her. And I think if it actually went away, I'd kind of miss it, you know? Not like I, I'm not fetishizing it or anything, but I, 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 I find those things endearing. Um, you know, I could understand if it was like a birthmark, you know, the size of a... I don't fucking know. Like if she had a big birthmark on her face with hair growing out of it, I can understand being insecure about that. Um, but it's just like, you know, it's an innocuous thing that I actually find kind of endearing. It sort of makes her, her. Um, but yes, I think I'm just trying to say, sometimes I do look at it and I see her seeing me look at it and I, yeah, I know it makes her feel a little self-conscious and I, I'm, I'm not always sure how to communicate to her. Like, I'm just, I'm just seeing it. I'm not like, you know, and I'm never like staring at it. I just, it's that thing. I think what I'm trying to articulate is I see this guy looking at my hairline and I know that he has no malicious intent and it just, I'm just noticing him notice me and, but it can be weird. It can be weird. I mean, dude, of course girls deal with this all the time with like dudes looking at their tits. <laughs> And actually, I feel kind of gross when I call them tits. But when girls see dudes looking at their chest, and I know that they must, you know, I'm sure they can tell at different times, like, what's happening. Like, all right, that guy's looking at my breasts, and I just sort of caught him doing it, or I see him doing it, and whatever. He's not, like, being predatory. It just, it's a part of life. Of course he's going to look. He's a dude. Um, he's biologically wired that way to sort of evaluate the people he comes into contact with sexually, and part of that is, like, looking at their 
their physiology. And then she knows what it's like when a dude's looking at her sort of lustful and kind of inappropriately and not tactfully. Do you know what I mean? I think we've all had times where we sort of like have been caught looking at someone, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> have you ever had that moment where you're like looking at someone's chest or you could be looking at somebody else and then you notice somebody else noticing you checking somebody out? And it's like, how do you meet that person's gaze? You know, you're kind of creepy if you go like, look, you got me. Or if you do like, uh, if it's another dude, if you do like, hey, check her out, right? I, I, I don't I don't know. I think some dudes would actually like that, but I, I don't know. It's always felt kind of creepy to me. But it is weird when you try to like communicate, uh, not when, like that you are a non-threat with your, with your gaze. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if some girl catches you looking at her, you just kind of give her a, a polite, not a creepy smile. I just mean like a, oh, hello, and like look away. <laughs> um, it's a hard thing to navigate. I mean, you can't go through life just sewing your eyes shut. Yeah, and I would never say like, don't look at people. Like, I think, yeah, I mean, I I, I had a friend, uh, her name is Anna Anti-Palindrome. She's a really great artist, but she's also very socially progressive. And she was the first person I ever I ever heard the term of the cis male gaze, you know? Like, when you're in a you know, female identified body or whatever. And you're going through life. Like a lot of your experience socially is just dudes looking at you and just the pressure of the gaze of, you know, gendered males, like one, just observing you alone is, is registering that they're evaluating you sexually. Um, and then, yeah, just the energy of their desire for you or non-desire for you. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a, a stress that, I think guys have points of contact with, but they don't experience all the time the way um, females do. But, um, but, uh, but there's also gotta be, oh, so what I'm saying is I think there's some people who want that to completely fucking disappear, you know, and think it's a totally volitional behavior and that the only reason men do it is because it's been culturally um tolerated for such a long time and the fact that guys say oh it's i mean i i'm not this is not my argument but like when guys say oh it's just guys being guys uh, i think that does excuse a lot of behavior that guys do have control over but i definitely fucking believe on a certain level like it just is the case you know guys are gonna look and it's not because they're mean they have complete control over how they you know on what they what they do, you know, they have to be respectful. You can look at somebody, but you know, if they catch you looking at them, you look away and you don't leer at them. Um, and not that there's also, you know, look, there, there's obviously room in life for a girl catching you looking at her and maybe she likes you. Maybe she catches you looking at her and she fucking gives you a look back, you know, and then that's like an invitation to talk to her or whatever. So there's room for all of it, but, um, it's hard. It's like, you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but, um, it's complicated. It's not so simple it's definitely not simple at all. It can be like a minefield that you have to navigate sometimes. Um, and uh, I feel like my mind was just about to jump to a larger point though. That's kind of interesting. I, I can't remember what it was. Uh, yeah. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, yeah. Oh man, bummer. I was on quite a roll there and then all of a sudden my brain farted. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, not really sure what to say. It happens in therapy all the time. Usually my brain will shut down at a time where I'm just broaching a topic that's kind of uncomfortable for me. And I, so I'm sitting here thinking like, was it, was I about to say something that I was like uncomfortable about? It'd be interesting for me when I go back and listen to it, which I, I, you know, I do maybe 25% of the time now, (laughs) you know, the first like half a dozen or so I listen to them and now I don't. Sometimes I do, but otherwise I don't listen to them, which is not good because I'm supposed to be evaluating whether or not I'm getting better at this. But, um, but I'm trying to think, uh, you know, if I, you know, if I go back and listen, will I hear myself say something that, and I'll feel, oh yeah, that's when you had the idea. Oh, and then you stopped. Huh. I wonder what that, I wonder what that meant to you. Um, what were you scared of saying? If at all, sometimes people also just forget, but in therapy, sometimes I'll I'll sort of note the times where my brain shuts down and it's just as I was beginning to, and it's not even a bad thing. Sometimes, sometimes there's insights that we have that like sometimes our, you know, our system is telling us bad things about ourselves, And the minute we start to tell ourselves good things about ourselves, our brain shuts down because you know, the brain is wired to not accept that information because that information feels um, dude, even as I'm talking about it, I feel my brain shutting down. So I'm trying to push through it, but, um, that information can feel threatening. Um, and it's not always sensical, but for me, especially, I think I was talking about this last time too, like, like being positive self-talk is very difficult for me. And I spent a lot of my time berating myself and sort of like, um, uh, being a drill sergeant for myself. And, uh, I think that that's what's motivating me or I think that like, I think that that's what it takes for me to like accomplish things sometimes. But I, I do wonder if I wouldn't be more successful, like maybe I accomplish things in spite of the fact that I'm really hard on myself. And if I was actually able to just be nice to myself and give myself positive reinforcement, um, that I would actually accomplish quite a bit more. And so, and there's just something about, um, you know, like, believing that I'm doing well or giving myself the space to like not beat myself up. That feels dangerous to me because I feel like, like I'm so vulnerable. Like I feel like if I, if I stop beating myself up, that I'll just like slide into laziness or whatever. And, um, yeah, dude, can you feel as a listener, can you feel my brain shutting down? Can you feel like I'm picturing like in at the end of Labyrinth when Jennifer Connelly's like in that MC Escher esque like all the stairs are all over the place and as she descends deeper and the clock strikes like thirteen o'clock, um, like the scenery sort of breaks apart. Like that's how my brain fucking feels, dude. Dude, it's like whoa, whoa, dude. It's like the nothing and the never ending story. It's just sort of swallowing things, you know. And by the end of it, it's just the ivory tower is just alone on a floating rock in space. Do you know what I'm saying? And everything else is kind of broken away. Dude, it's that sort of like, like, you know, I hate this word now, but toxic thinking. You know, the minute, it's like a parasite in your brain. The minute like this thought of positivity enters my brain, it's like the, the, the fucking, the fucking matrix things. Like what are the matrix things? Like they fucking swim through the fucking whatever. I just remember one of the, at the end of one of the matrix movies, they're like trying to break into whatever fucking vessel. It's probably called the Ark by the way, <laughs> but whatever vessel Keanu Reeves' character Neo is in, like he's like hooked up to the matrix and they're like trying to break through or whatever. Um, it probably is called the fucking arc, dude. Like all these movies that are set in the future, they all have these really like cliche biblical references. 
like a ship is called the Ark. Ooh. And then you have someone named Neo, which is like a fucking amalgamam of the one, dude. I, I don't know what it, like not an amalgam, what, what is it fucking called when you switch up the letters? I don't fucking know. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, as soon as I start talking about thinking positively, my brain fucking shuts down. The fucking matrix goes, Zzz. fucking zaps that shit. It's like, no, you must be hard on yourself. Oh, man. Wednesday. Yeah, I got a chem lab tomorrow. Chem quiz on Friday and lecture. And uh, work. Work Thursday, Friday, 4 to midnight. My brother's getting married. He texted me just with a prospective date for the wedding. So uh, it's going to be coming up. Looking forward to that. I'm going to be officiating. So I, I have to get, uh, not ordained, I don't even know what you call it, registered or I don't know. Um, I wish I could fucking be an ordained I, can't, I don't know what the word is it you become an officiant or I don't know what the fuck it is um yeah there is a word for it but I wish I could be fucking like let's just say ordained I wish I could be ordained like in my own fucking church like I think when you do it online you do it as part of the organization of the website like um god I wish I could oh I don't know I don't fucking know you're licensed to like officiate weddings but I think legally like the website might be called like um uh, weddingpreachers.com or some shit i don't fucking know but you like use their quote church or whatever the fuck as like the body that you're sort of like empowers you to officiate i wish you could just fucking name your own that would be the fucking shit i could be like the fucking efficient of church church of m or some shit like that of thisism dude um I don't even want to go in. I don't even want to go into that and explore that. That's actually supposed to be a secret. That this is M is actually this is M. Like it's its own religion. People are supposed to put that together themselves, or not at all. Um. So spoiler alert. Uh. What to say? What to say? Dude, I'm not reading shit. I was like voraciously reading about like fucking Babylonian myths and uh, Epic of Gilgamesh and all that shit. Assyrian mythology. Before school started, now I'm not reading a goddamn thing. Not reading a fucking goddamn thing. I'm just doing homework. We do have, uh, for psychology, we have this final paper that we have to write. And it's not really like a research paper. It's just basically you're given like 10 prompts, which are sort of topics in psychology. And you just have to, you know, look at some of the research that's been done on it. And um, yeah, just sort of write about it. And one of the prompts was social media and its links to depression. And you don't need to prove that that is the case. I mean, there's just studies that show that increased social media use leads to increases or yeah, increased depression. Um, but, um, as I was thinking about that, like me and my girlfriend have compared our, like, you know how the iPhone sort of tracks your screen use. I mean, now it's much more because I use my iPad, um, for like my textbook, but I spend like almost compared to most people, I spend almost no time on my iPhone. I think it was like an average of like 
five to 15 minutes a day or something like that. Um, whereas like, dude, a lot of people I know have like four fucking hours, which is insane. Um, that said, I fucking spend a shit ton of time in front of the computer, the actual computer. I, I, I almost certainly spend at least four hours a day in front of the fucking computer. Um, I was going to say now more than ever, but I just, I've always just been like a computer fucking freak. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, maybe what I was just thinking is, of is, um, you know, it's not exactly social media. I mean, it's just sort of tech use, but even if you're not engaging on apps like social media, like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or, or like little, like actual social media, does just engaging with computer screens as it lead to depression. Um, it's probably likely. And the reason I'm thinking about it is because my buddy, Pat Hull, who's also a phenomenal musician that people should check out. I had just that morning, I was like, we saw the prompts for the final paper today. And the first one was about social media and depression. And it just leapt out at me because my buddy, Pat Hull had just posted something on Facebook about, I think he, he is one of his primary interests right now is the, is the, is the relationship between social media and tech and increased levels of depression. And he's also an educator. He says it's something he, he talks about almost monomaniacally in his communication, communications classes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It felt like the cosmos was telling me that this was like an important topic to pursue. He recommended a book in his Facebook post. I can't remember what it is, but actually, let's see if we can find it real quick. Because even if I forget, maybe I'll hear this and it'll remind me to fucking check this book out on Amazon. So I just got to find uh, my buddy Pat Hall on Facebook. Speaking of social media use, I'm already feeling sadder. Uh, oh, dude, now I'm just I'm fucking sound like Chris Elia right now. Uh, the problem is when you listen to podcasts, it's like having a new friend. Like, And I think guys know what the fuck I'm talking about, which is... Um, oh, the book is called How to, How to Break Up with Your Phone. I'm going to just put that into Amazon in another tab. But uh, I think guys know what it's like. Like you find a new dude friend and you guys have like a man crush on each other and you guys just like riff and you have fun and you guys make each other laugh. And, um, and uh, ooh, this book looks good. It's a really cool cover too. Yeah, dude, I want to read this. Um, and there's all these books on like the phone addiction workbook, how to identify smartphone dependency, stop compulsive behavior. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, dude, I'm already fucking distracted. Like, isn't it funny how just looking at a computer, computer screen fucking like, like I'm the type of person who I feel bad. Like if I'm with my girlfriend at a restaurant and they have a TV in the corner, I'm just instantly fucking pulled into it. I think tech companies know that though. And they're fucking preying on that impulse. Um, but literally what the fuck was I saying? Um, Hmm. Yeah, dude, total fucking monkey wrench in my brain. So sad. So fucking sad, dude. What's wrong with me? Um, yeah, I don't fucking know. Final paper, psych, social media phone use. I'm not reading. I'm spending time on my fucking tech. It might lead to depression. Um, yeah, I don't know what to fucking say about it. 
dude, the fucking matrix is fucking coming in. It's like, you will stay on your phone. The minute I fucking go, Oh, I should read this book on how to break up with your phone. It's like, no, the fucking parasite takes over and fucking erases whatever I was fucking thinking. I'm convinced our phones are fucking listening to us. And I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I'm, and I'm sure most people say this as well. I've been saying this shit for a long goddamn time. And I know we know that our phones are listening to us now, but it's like, how creepy is it when you just say something you've never fucking said before in like a decade and all of a sudden you start seeing ads for it? And I keep trying to test it empirically, like, or, you know, as much as that's fucking possible. But like, I'll start saying things that I have not seen an ad for recently that I would feel like I would never see an ad for recently and see if I start seeing fucking ads for it. And most recently it was Tootsie Roll. And so I, my experiment was I said Tootsie Roll like 10 times, um... And I fucking texted, I could really go for a Tootsie Roll right now to my girlfriend, seeing if I would start seeing fucking ads for Tootsie Rolls. I haven't seen any Tootsie Roll ads. But I also bet Tootsie Roll's not really fucking advertising. Like, they don't seem like a company. And I'm sure they're owned by somebody else. But, like, Tootsie Roll just doesn't seem like a very tech-savvy brand. Like, isn't it weird when, like, some brand will always... Like, you know they just hired a fucking branding company to, like revamp them because they want to like step into the next generation like all of a sudden twizzler will have some fucking ads that they're trying to be funny and they have some shitty character and it's one of these like goofy silly ads that everyone's fucking doing now um yeah and it just feels fucking thirsty you know what i'm saying it's like like burger like i think everyone like i think one of the best examples is the burger king king the fucking plastic the dude with the big plastic king head like, what the fuck? It's fucking creepy. And it's the sort of thing that you know was just fucking cooked up in some ad, by some ad agency. You know, in some rebranding effort. Um, I mean, you see this across logos. Like, things are funny. Like, things were kind of getting kind of bubbly and kind of playful, like, in the early 2000s. When everybody was naming their apps, like, spinoffs of Google, like, Weebly and Zoogle and Dongle and all sorts of fucking weird fucking names. And then things got very streamlined and kind of black and white and minimalist, like, following in the sort of Apple trend. And now things are getting kind of textured and bubbly again. Um, Things are getting kind of curvy and, and bigger. Like, emblems on cars are getting bubbled out and bigger. Texts are becoming more curvaceous. And, um... Like, you, I don't know, for some reason I'm thinking about Wendy's. Uh, I'm sure maybe some others, but you see this, like, every decade or so, you see things sort of rebrand and sort of chase the trend or whatever. But yeah, so Burger King was totally fucking doing that thing. And now every fucking ad I see is a statement of beliefs. Just listen to every fucking ad and you'll hear, we believe at fucking so-and-so. We believe that all body types are blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you fucking make underwear or you fucking, like, make coffee but it's like they have to inject themselves into the fucking conversation of social justice or whatever, which is like, you know, coffee is how great minds are shared and how we can change the world. And it's like fucking Folgers start, (laughs) start a revolution over breakfast, like that sort of shit. You know what I'm saying? And I guess people just eat it up because it works. I guess people just eat it the fuck up. And it's so crazy to me. Like, we'll just pick somebody to demonize. Like Pepsi came out with that commercial with Kylie Jenner or whatever, where, you know, she was a part of, I don't, I don't, I, like, I fucking saw the thing once and fucking forgot about it, but, like, all the social justice warriors fucking love the Gillette commercial, <clears throat> that's, like, challenging toxic masculinity, but they fucking hate the Pepsi commercial, because it's, like, her at a rally or something, she hands a police officer a fucking can of Pepsi, it's like, dude, they're all garbage, 
They're all fucking garbage. People sat down and said, hmm, what's going to sell? The minute they fucking realized that there's no money in social justice, they stopped doing it. The only reason they have this conversation is they fucking have their finger on the pulse of the buying public and say, and, and they, do, they figure out what their pandering message is going to be. The day white supremacy is um, the fucking social currency, and I hope it never is, but if it ever is, you better fucking believe that Coca-Cola and McDonald's are going to fucking pander to that demographic. They're in the business of making money. They don't give a fuck. So what's funny to me is, and this has been the big shift of what branding is for the last, I don't fucking know, 25, 30 years maybe. The brand presents itself as a person, as an identity. The collection, the collective brand is larger than the product that it sells. They don't sell products. They sell a lifestyle. They sell a system of beliefs. They sell you yourself that using this product, and it could be something like fucking Gillette razors, is part of how you will, um, not appropriate, but how you will um, build an identity for yourself. Like, ooh, people who do this, like people who, who live this way, people who care about social justice, they use Gillette razors. And so you buying Gillette razors is a way to sort of bolster your own sense of yourself. So they basically just sell you your idealized, what you aspire to. They sell you your idealized self and try to show you how their product is a part of that lifestyle. So now every fucking ad is, we believe. At so-and-so, we believe. Because you're supposed to go, oh, I fucking believe in that too, dude. I think I will have a fucking roast beef sandwich at Arby's. How gullible are people? God, people are so stupid. And it sounds like an awful thing to say. Like, you know, I'm supposed to, like, part of being compassionate is you're supposed to be like, or I was, about to, I was about to use that word twice, but I was saying part of being like a good person, supposedly, is being endlessly compassionate. But the words average are pejorative for a reason. You know, common is a pejorative term. To call something common or average, it's because most people are not not exceptional. Most people are very simple. It's so sad. Oh, I'm such an elitist, though. I'm such a contrarian. I, I mean, I have to be honest. I mean, part of my part of my my personal makeup is I'm I'm a contrarian. When I see a lot of people doing something, I don't want to. I want I don't want I want nothing to do with it. I'd like to think it's because it doesn't make sense to me, and I certainly feel that that's fucking true. Like, what I don't want to be is one of these people who, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, well, maybe I just don't like the idea of it, but what I was going to try to say is, you know, I feel like it just happens to be the case that most of my interests are contrary to what the public believes. And I, I that's sort of, you know, that feels true to me. But at the same time, I, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, I mean, an extreme right is like the alt-right or um, that sort of, I mean, for a while it was called neoconservatism. But these people saw themselves as contrarians. You know, they saw the social, the, or um, the extremist left or the, the, the far left, like they see that as like the social tide. And so their stance as towards being conservative is to, is, is to be contrary to that. Religious people do this too. You know, they, they, they use the world the word worldly as a pejorative. They say this is the state of the world and they make fun of our beliefs. Um, but it's our job to sort of dig in and to live outside of what's socially acceptable. Um, and that's a very sort of defensive stance to take. Um, so, yeah, on the one hand, I can be very critical when I hear people saying that, but 
you know, I feel the same way about myself. Um, I just, I think the vast majority of people are just not very intelligent and, uh, kind of sad, but, uh, that's my misanthropic, uh, stands for the day. And maybe on that dour note, we will wrap things up. Uh, again, not really sure what this is becoming, if anything, but, uh, glad I'm doing it. Um, glad I'm carving out time for it. And uh, looking forward to seeing my girlfriend tonight. Uh, And yeah, let's leave it there. Um, You know, if anyone hears this, thanks for listening. Otherwise, uh, we'll be picking this up again another time soon. Uh, Thanks for listening and ciao for now.